Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about improving seed emergence. If you've got any questions about that or anything going on in your farm, we'd be happy to visit with you. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so when it comes to improving seed emergence, I'll start you with just a couple things, then we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag here. I guess one of the biggest things that we've had to deal with in our geography the last few years has been very dry soils. We've been in about three and a half years of drought. Uh, by the way, we're getting about a foot of snow between yesterday, last night and today. So that's it sounds like a lot, but that's really only an inch of moisture. We could use a lot more. I would prefer it in the liquid form rather than in the snow form. But whatever, uh, we'll take about any moisture we can get at this point. But where I'm going with this is when you plant your seed, ideally what we're looking for is to have good enough moisture to get that seed started. So one of the biggest questions we've had from a lot of people is they will say, should I plant deeper to get down to moisture? And I, I just want to talk about that because I think that's a very, very important thing. So just for example, a couple springs ago, it was looking rough for us. We were very dry and it, there was no moisture in the forecast. So I had, I just told our guys, hey, let, let's go a little bit deeper. I know we don't normally plant corn at three inches and soybeans at two inches, but we're going to do it. And we did, and we had pretty good stands because we were able to get down to moisture. A lot of people get very concerned about planting deeper, as do I, for a couple of reasons. So number one... I am most worried about crusting. I just don't want our seed to not make it out of the ground. But let's be honest, if the ground's bone dry, what what crusting risk do you really have? And obviously there's a lot less crusting risk too when you have some degree of residue out there. I mean, the more the better. So if you were in no-till, for example, crusting is not nearly as big of an issue as if you till the ground three times in the spring. So anyway, crusting when you get a heavy rain or something like that that can be a real big concern the other thing is just quite frankly i'm worried that the seed isn't going to have enough energy to push itself all the way out at three inches so that's the reason why we typically say like for corn about as deep as you ever want to go is two and a half inches deep deeper than that and it does take more energy to get that seed out of the ground and sometimes it just doesn't make it so the big thing that we're looking for, if you want to do that, is make sure you have good a good vigor score, good cold germination score with your seed. If you've got that, then I feel pretty comfortable when you're planting early because a little bit deeper down in the ground will be just a little bit colder than it will in the top. Let's call it inch and a half, two inches if you're clear down to three inches. But you, you really want to be careful about when you choose to plant deeper and also which seeds you choose to plant deeper with. In other words, corn, yes, you can go a little bit deeper than soybeans, just for example. So anyway, we'll talk today about emergence with seed and improving that seed emergence. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian. Um, actually, I'm not even going to hand you this out this. We've got a summary here, too. Uh, okay, this one comes in from Logan down in Nebraska, and he's got 
Um, I've got your breakout of all the soil tests went through with the summary here, but he said uh, over the last couple of years, this has been corn on corn. We're going to go soybeans here. We want to get 80 bushel beans, got some soil challenges. Uh, if you want to comment on that. Okay. So yeah, I had had a chance to take a look at this just a little bit. And so I've got some summaries uh, here and, and let's just talk it through a little. All right. So soil pH, and this is, <laughs> If you listen to the show on a regular basis, you hear us say this all the time, variable soils. So there's pH all the way down to 4.5, 4.5, and then up to 6.8. Okay, so if you're treating all your ground the same, that's a mistake. And that means that you've got to figure out both with soil testing and then application, how are we going to do things different if we have this kind of variable soil? So where I'm going with this is lime. Obviously, a 4.5 pH soil needs a lot of lime, but are you putting that lime in the right places? So for us on our farm, we used to run with big zones when we were soil sampling. Enormous mistake. Oh my gosh, it cost us so much money. Please don't do that. You can if you want to, but if you're going to lime, you're going to spend a bunch of dollars putting that lime out there. Don't put it in the wrong place. That's what we did on our farm. Cost us money because we had to we spent the money in the extra line we raised the ph too high cost us yield then we had to put elemental sulfur out to drop the ph back down cost us money again so it was lose 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 Uh, that's not a great combination so let's be smarter with it is my advice now and what we do on our farm we do one acre soil test grids now you don't have to do that on your whole farm you don't have to do that every year or anything else but I, I would just tell you, if you're going to lime, and especially if you've got this kind of variance. Now, it's not a big deal if you did a whole bunch of tests in your farm and you found everything was 4.5 to 4.7 pH. Okay, that's one thing. And you go, well, everything needs lime. Sure, I agree with you. But when you're ranging from 4.5 that needs a lot of lime to 6.8 that absolutely needs zero lime, that's where you need to really distinguish. And you, I, I would encourage you to go small grids. Okay, so I spend a lot of time on that. Um, cation exchange capacity, 10 to 20, so you got light to heavy soil. Phosphorus, 6 to 35, that's too low flat out. I, I mean, I'm, I'm working on building up phosphorus. But zinc, you've got as low as one part per million, got to build that. you got some areas of 5, that's not too bad. Potassium, 2.9% base saturation K to 7.5, so obviously the 2.9 we got to build. You can see where I'm going with this. There are areas where you need some some nutrients and other areas not so much. Phosphorus is probably the biggest one that across the board you need that everywhere. And then in terms of low, you got boron, copper, and probably even zinc that everywhere you're going to need some of those micronutrients. All right, hope that helps out a little bit, Logan. We'll get to more of those questions a little bit later in the show, but we're going to be talking about improving seed emergence on today's Ag PhD radio show. Stay tuned. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. 
Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crop's potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash face. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about improving seed emergence on today's show, and we welcome your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD if you want to weigh in on this topic. And I knew it. I knew it. We would absolutely be talking to Tony Wendler today with Farm Shop MFG about this. He's so passionate about getting better seed emergence out in the field. How are you doing, Tony? Excellent, Darren. I'm. Uh, that's exactly where my thoughts are, and uh, that's been kind of the focus of our germinator closing wheel. Well, okay, so, so, topic- so we, we think about this, Tony, and we think, all right, we got to open up that furrow right, and we got to build it correctly from the start, got to drop the seed in there accurately and all those kinds of things. But then really all the art to this is the closing and how exactly we're going to do that. How, how are we going to get that seed to soil contact without being too hard, without being too soft, all those things, and, and get moisture to move in the furrow? Uh, there, there's a lot to it. There is a lot. And, and one of the things is, is that uh, we've uh, been re- referred a few times to uh, our closing wheel having kind of a double action when the spikes go in, and the spikes being a little bit longer, lead the rotation into the soil. They cause the um, soil on the sidewall to squirt into the furrow. The inner shoulder then, which is slightly smaller, is firming and is putting its pressure down near the bottom of the furrow, right above the seed zone. And we're creating a firm vein there. The action of that firm vein is is multiple. One is we're squeezing out air if we're in... uh, a little bit moisture conditions. We're squeezing the air out, getting that seed to soil. In drier conditions, we're adding just the right amount of compression to that soil in that zone that we are enhancing that, uh, getting the moisture in the capillary action, the wicking of the moisture into that seed and getting it moistened, getting the, uh, the seed starting on that germination process. And the next component of it, because we're not pressing the soil right above, we've focused our pressure at the seed zone. We've got um, fluffier soil above it. So when that seed gets going, it's got easy sailing up through the surface. And a very common comment from farmers 
is that we have as much as three-day fast or emergence. And I, I love the stories from farmers that uh, they put a few rows of ours on their planter, and uh, all spring they had to look at those rows emerging two or three days faster than the rest of the rows in their planter and the frustration they felt. So I always enjoy that. I get that little butterflies in your stomach to hear them experience that. Well, I like getting out of the ground faster, and I, and I understand it doesn't necessarily mean you have a huge yield advantage, but think about it. You get those green leaves catching sunlight, bringing that energy in. Uh, it's just that much sooner that that plant's going to be able to, to make everything it needs by itself uh, rather than relying on all the energy out of the seed. So that that's just an awesome thing, and it, it certainly over years is going to come out way ahead for yield and performance by doing that. I like getting up faster, and we see so many guys, Tony, that are planting earlier in the season. I think this kind of thing is going to become even more important as we push the window on that planting date. I I agree with you, and, and one of the things when we get that to go to, by focusing along that row, and we've got something that focuses right down that seed zone, getting the air out, the seed-to-soil contact, getting an even emergence. So it uh, we get that uh, that row looking like a picket fence as fast as we can and not having some stocks, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours behind. 72 hours, sometimes the term for that's weed. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that's for uh, sure. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, Tony, okay, so you mentioned you've got a lot of guys that will start off by putting just a few rows on and then doing a comparison or putting half the planter on with one system and half on maybe with what came with the planter or something like that. Um, is, is that how you see a lot of guys get into this? So they, they want to see it for themselves, see what kind of difference there is in performance in their own field? Or do you just have a lot of guys say, man, I've heard about these. Uh, I've seen what they've done for my neighbor. I just want the whole set. The, the right answer to that question is yes. The uh, the com- the components, uh, uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, try a few rows, and interesting enough is they put us in their worst rows, their pinch rows. And uh, there's testimonials on the websites of uh, going in the pinch rows and the worst rows that season were their best rows, and they put the whole planter on. Uh, I encourage farmers to go out, and if you want to just try it, get a row, get a couple of rows. As soon as you can get your planter out, pull it through some uh, soil and dig behind it. Take a look at what it's doing before you lose another crop year. Uh, you can make a, a decision. And uh, just uh, back here in November, I had a farmer in Minnesota that did it before uh, freeze up. Uh, he put on one row and made a decision to convert from twisters to uh, germinators based on taking one row and pulling halfway across the field and digging behind in different conditions and identifying the germinator was doing the better job, getting that that, uh, seed zone like we discussed a little bit earlier here. Yeah, closing wheels make a huge difference on the planter, and if that's something you're looking at in your planter this season as you're working on equipment in the shop, uh, check out Farm Shop MFG. Look at the the germinator closing wheels. we got Tony Wendler on right now talking about that. Tony, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. Bye. You bet. We've got Kelly Garrett with us right now with the Extreme Ag Group, and he farms down in Iowa with, well, I don't know. I don't know if Kelly farms anymore. Maybe the boys are completely taking this thing over. How's it going, Kelly? You still Do you still have a job there? Have they worked you out of a job yet? It's true, Darren. I am now the least important person here, and it's wonderful. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, okay. Well, that that's nice when you got other guys that can handle a lot of these jobs because then you can look at these small little details like improving seed emergence right. and and help those guys get even better. So what what are you seeing? I know you're you're always out there digging and looking and and trying to figure out, okay, how can we get 400 bushels here cuz 300's just not enough for you guys. No, we want to set the state record. 442 <laughs> state record. We want to break it. You're right. I, I I've got, I'm so excited for today's call. Yes, I'm, I'm so excited for today's call. I studied, Darren, to prepare for this. I've got five or six things. I'm going to tell, and then we'll talk about whatever one you want. Okay. Number one, we we number one, we send off some seed from every different lot number that we get. And every, every different hybrid, every different lot number, we send that seed to Iowa State. We do a cold-saturated germ test. The seed companies are germinating, but it isn't cold. And we want to know which yep. one does the best in the cold weather to start with. So we do a cold-saturated germ test. Hydraulic downforce on the planter. Uh, Mike Evans, my agronomist, you know, we own Integrated Egg Solutions together. Over a five-year study at his previous job, uh, hydraulic downforce is worth nine and a half bushels. Um, our closing, we have a proprietary closing wheel system. I, I believe that if you can dig down and find the, the furrow, if you can dig down and find the furrow from your true Vs, that's the very definition of sidewall compaction, and your closing wheel system isn't doing a good job. It needs to be taking that out. It needs to be a challenge to find that seed. All right? And then the other thing we do, we have taken almost all, we have nine things in our in-furrow fertility program. Only one, calcium and micronutrients is the only fertility. There's no P and K in there. But now this year, Evans believes that we should put some phosphorus back in there, especially on the early season corn to help with that spring pop-up, to help with that even emergence. Those are all the things that we are doing for even emergence in our seed. Yeah, the phosphorus one is is interesting. We just had a show last week, and, and we were talking to a number of folks who said that phosphorus has made a huge difference for them in, in getting a good early start and an aggressive start on the plant. So it'll be neat to see what you see for differences this year. I agree. You know, we uh, because of the markets and things like that, we're going to be about 80% corn, 20% beans this year, so we're probably going to push the window on corn planting just a little bit sooner than I might be comfortable with. So to try to try to make ourselves more comfortable, we're going to add some phosphorus to that infertile program to try to uh, warm up the soil a little bit, I guess is how you'd say it. Yeah, there's a lot of things there, and, and it's all an art. You talk about the downforce, and obviously it's not just a, uh, oh, just set it, forget it. it. You do have to have some common sense there, and you do have to play around with things a little bit. The closing wheels, of course, I, I love that you said you're out digging, and that's the most important thing. I think beyond just, hey, we need to switch to a little better system, I don't care what system guys are running. I just like seeing farmers out digging behind the planter. I think yeah. if you're studying that, you'll see where those problems are at and where they aren't. Uh, hey, Kelly, those are great. I love it. I love it when you have a list like that. It works so good. Really appreciate having you on. Kelly Garrett here, farms down in Iowa and works with the Extreme Ag Group. Thanks, Kelly. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Darren. Have a good day. Bye. You too. We'll talk more about improving seed emergence right after this. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. 
FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an AgroLiquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about getting that crop off to a great start and improving seed emergence. We'd love to hear your ideas, or if you've got any questions, you can call with those as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Will Griffin on with us right now with Valent. How you doing, Will? Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all today? Well, pretty good. We're talking about improving seed emergence and a couple of things that have been holding it back. Uh, When we think about diseases, there's a lot of diseases that can impact seed pretty much as soon as you drop it in that seed furrow. And then, of course, insects. When when you've got bugs that are chewing on the seed, even if they just take a little bite, uh, that sets that plant down or shuts that plant down. It's got to play defense. It's not going to emerge as quickly. Uh, So the seed treatments that we use make a big difference. I know you work on that a lot. Uh, what are some of the things you're seeing out there, and what are some of the things that, that are holding guys back they should be watching out for? 
Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a, a you hit on the two major, right? Obviously, diseases and insects. But you know, I think there's just uh, what we see a lot of times is is a lack of anyone even using a seed protectant, right? I mean, those are that's, and I, I'm sure y'all have discussed it uh, throughout the show today, and will continue to discuss it. The value of having um, a seed protectant on a seed. You know, most all corn seed comes treated. Um, and most soybean seed that you purchase from a retailer, uh, you know, you can have treated. Uh, and same with, with wheat. And I think that, you know, not skimping on that regardless of the timing of the year. Um, I know a lot of times I live in Aberdeen. Uh, we get later in the season. A lot of times some producers will, will skip a seed protectant because they're planting in May uh, or late May, early June. And they think, oh, well, the it's just going to pop up out of the ground and start running. Um, but to your point, right, there's a lot of things that we don't see from a insect uh, damage below ground um, and even some above ground, but then obviously the disease uh, that are lying out there. And, and you know, I think obviously uh, I've spent a lot of time in our seed protection team and, and we have a great product in Intego, but I think at the end of the day uh, for, for growers to be, successful in any crop uh, you got to start you got to start with a strong healthy seed and you know if you're if you're slow coming out of the ground uh, because you didn't use one it's definitely uh, gonna gonna show in the yield on your crop yeah and you never know which disease is going to hit or which bug or how bad they are that kind of thing until you see, oh, no, I'm missing some in my stand, or I've got some slow emergers, or I've got some that got up, but then they died afterwards. And you, you got to do it right the first time. I like that because if you don't, there there isn't a re- there really isn't a rescue to this. No, and I mean, you know, if you think about it from a investment standpoint, uh, especially in soybeans, you know, what's our largest, you know, one of the largest investments that we have on the acre is the seed, um, so why not protect it? Uh, we protect the corn seed um, in the mid south where I'm from originally. We protect cotton seed. Um, so it, it, to me, it's just you know it's all about making sure that you have the right products, um, understanding, working with your sales agronomist, um, what's out there. I think there was a study from uh, I believe it was University of Wisconsin a couple of years ago that said that 80% of producers in the U.S that used the seed treatment didn't know what their seed treatment was. So, you know, understanding what's out there, um, under working with your agronomist to make sure that you have um, products that are going to meet the, the needs that you have. Uh, to your point, you never know exactly what's going to be out there, but I think there's a lot of scenarios where we know where we have uh, pythium res- resistance uh, to metal axle, uh, making sure that you have a product that has an alternative uh, uh, means of control uh, for for that disease out there instead of just straight metal axle. Um, understanding what's in your, you know, what's in your region, some of the scenarios that you traditionally see, and a lot of the sales agronomists out there understand what's in seed protection, uh, different seed protectants that are out there and are a great source um, for them, as well as company websites. Yeah, and there are just new diseases popping up every year or other diseases that you thought, oh, man, haven't had that for five years, and, and it flares up again. you got to be ready. Using that seed treatment is a big deal, and we're talking with Will Griffin here with Valent about that. Will, thank you so much. really appreciate having you on and hope to talk to you again soon. 
Absolutely, guys. Y'all have a great rest of the day and a happy new year. You bet. Happy new year to you as well. All right. So next on, we've got Bill Backus with us with BSF down in Iowa. Bill, how are you today? Doing great, guys. How are you guys doing today? Getting any snow up there? <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to talk about that at all. <laughs> it's, it's no fun. No one here on me right now. So, yep, it's coming. It's all right. Chilling. So our topic today is seed emergence and improving seed emergence. What are your top tips that you've got for growers? Yeah, yeah. As I've been thinking about this as we kind of, you know, presented the topic here. Uh, again, welcome to 2024. We've got a lot of things going on here, right? Especially at BASF, a lot of seed treatments, uh, stuff we're looking at. Uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on the agronomy team. We do a lot of testing uh, with our seed and our seed quality. Uh, we spend a lot of time analyzing that, really understanding you know, what each seed uh, brings to the table and how you get there and how do you protect it, just like your previous caller. A lot of people don't know what they have, um, what they get out there. So, you know, make sure you have that best high-quality seed and make sure you get it, you know, with the best quality seed treatment that you can get out there. So as you, as you think those through, you know, as you get multiple modes of action, you know, talking about all the different diseases that we're battling, you know, we do like to talk about our Obvious Plus, which is one product that's got four different modes of action. We do add our, our Relania uh, which is a BISF uh, seed treatment. So you've you've probably heard about our our Revitec or our Veltima. It's basically the same molecule we put into a seed treatment, and has a whole other mode of action in there. And, and you know, all those different things really add just extra bushels when you start talking about it. All right, but we were just talking with Will Griffin, and he said most people don't know what they're getting for a seed treatment. In a lot of cases. There are farmers that just say, well, help me, Mr. or Miss or Mrs. Agronomist. Uh, just give me your best recommendation, and I'm just going to get everything from you. So is there a way, I mean, what what should a farmer really be asking when it comes to the seed treatment side so they are confident that they're getting the right thing or the best thing on their seed instead of just something? That's just something, though. Great, great question. As you, as you think that through, you know, you really got to understand when you're planting, you know, and, and how you're going after the the, uh, the pests that you have. So if you're going into a soil where you got a lot of pythium, you got a lot of rhizoctonia, or, or you got some fusarium out there that you're really going after, or even, you know, potentially some uh, soybean cyst nematode, that's where you want to get the Olivo in there, or, you know, got some SDS you're battling in there as well. You really got to understand your diseases, so you're gonna have to ask, you know, the questions and say, here's here's what I'm battling, uh, Mr. Uh, you know, seed salesman or, or seed agronomist or uh, you know, person at the retail location. Here's what I'm battling, and and here's what I want to make sure that we cover. And you know, then then they're gonna go through the list of what uh, what that seed treatment is going to protect them against, and uh, you know, get them the best product out there. So there's gonna be a lot of lookalikes. There's gonna be a lot of you know, different products that are out there that are not going to quite have as good a coverage and you a lot of different rates that you got to make sure you understand which rate uh, that you're getting of the certain seed treatment uh, that you're getting putting on that seed. And just make sure you're getting the rate uh, that you're paying for and the rate that's going to be labeled for uh, those certain pests that you're going after in, in your field. Bill, we only have about 30 seconds left, but just tell us real quick about that Relenia, uh, that that active ingredient that is in Veltima and Revitec. Why is that important? What other diseases is that going to get compared to a normal seed treatment? Yeah, so it's going to give you a broader spectrum, uh, really going to add some extra uh, rhizoctonia and, and some pythium control. 
and really that's it's it's the relania uh basically uh which is the Revisol uh molecule which is a brand new molecule that we basically launched here uh going on what a year or two years ago now into the uh, uh Revitec and the Veltima which basically just uh, creates a a like like in the plant tissue it creates a reservoir and then it actually just starts spoon feeding uh the the uh AI basically back out as it's needed so it's kind of very unique and in a lot of my trials that I've done across uh, really all of all of Iowa and southeast South Dakota, the Relania uh, blind, blindly treated randomized rep um, of each one, uh, Relania came out the top every single time. It was the highest rated seed uh, treatment that I've ever had, and it, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I'm getting about a bushel and a half response out of that every time I use it. Awesome. Uh, again, that's Bill Backus with BSF. Stay tuned. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Planting preparation starts as soon as harvest ends. So do successful at-plant strategies. Put time on your side with at-plant inputs, insights, and innovations that help you make the most of next season's planting pass. You're already thinking about seed, inputs, and crop protection when you plan your season. Include them all in your planter to give yourself an at-plant advantage that pays off at harvest. Always read and follow all label directions
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking about improving seed emergence, which is a really important thing regardless of what crop you're raising. I mean, think about how much you spend on seed, and then you spend some money on seed treatment to protect it and to, to help improve performance the best you can. You want every one of those to grow. I think back to when Brian and I were, were much younger, and it was bin-run conventional soybeans. That was kind of the, the norm in the soybean industry, and not many guys were treating. They were counting on significant losses, Brian. They would plant way more seed than they actually expected to have for a final stand because they were like, well, we're not treating it. It's coming out of the bin. I mean, maybe they're putting it across a, a shaker, screener kind of thing or something. It, yeah, it's but, not nearly what it is today, yeah. and it, it didn't cost that much either. Yeah, but a lot of it was just how you were planting it. Most guys like us were using a drill, an old grain drill that just quite frankly wasn't very good. Well, today we're, let's call it precision placing the seed. We're packing the the soil around it so we have good seed to soil contact. We're just doing a lot better job. But here are the other things I guess I wanted to mention before we wrap this up on seed emergence and improving seed emergence. Number one for me is the biologicals and just quite frankly the seed treatment that we're using. So we've been able to figure out and find some biologicals that have really helped us speed emergence by 10 to 20%. I don't care if it's corn, soybeans, wheat, whatever it is, it's been a big advantage. The next thing is we used to do a lot of no-till. We changed that to strip-till, and the reason why was because of slow emergence, or that was part of the reason why. And I'd just say if you can till in that little area, you don't have to till the whole field, but if you till in that row in advance, I'm not saying the day of, I'm saying in advance, like a couple weeks in advance, or let's say the, the fall prior, which is what we prefer, then we are finding that it's warmer there. And warmer is a big difference. I mean, there is a big difference when you're here in the northern United States. We just, we need warmer soils if we're going to get going. If you're in the southern United States and it's warm already, it's not as big a deal. But if you want faster emergence, and I'm not saying you have to have that. I I mean, if that was true, then no-till would be a complete disaster in the north, and it's not. So your crop's going to get off to a slower start in no-till compared to strip-till or conventional till here where we farm and when we plant in April. That's just a fact of life. But that doesn't necessarily mean at the end of the year it's all bad. So when we start talking about this improving seed emergence thing, there are two different qualifiers I would look at. Number one, it's either, is the seed going to live or die? So that we absolutely want to keep the seed alive. But the other side of it is, how quickly does it emerge and how fast does it grow real early in the season? I like the speed. I like fast. I want it out of the ground quick and growing fast right away. But you don't have to have that to maximize yield. And that's what I'm trying to say here. So When it comes back to the seed treatment, I think that's a really big deal. And that's a no-brainer. I don't care what tillage system you're in. On the flip side, with this, hey, I'd like to till it, at least in the strip, if nothing else, so I have a warmer seed bed and I'm going to have faster emergence, I prefer that. You don't have to have that, though. And that's what I'm trying to say. So anyway, beyond that, one question that we get quite commonly is with... Ag chemicals, herbicides. If you're going to put a herbicide out, is it going to slow emergence? Is it going to possibly hurt some of your plants? Some people will talk about, oh, it looked like my plants were stunted where I used the pre. One of the 
one of the things that our dad told us when we were, I don't even know, probably still in high school even, and I just remember this to this day, he goes, you know, guys, if you think about this, with herbicides, all herbicides, they're going to enter the crop and they have to get metabolized. So it's going to take some energy to basically burn that off, use that up in the plant to for the plant to deal with that. So if we could wave a magic wand out in our field every single day and have the field perfectly clean with weeds, that's the answer. I mean, in terms of which is going to be better when, when you're going to have the most yield. So his point was, all herbicides are going to hurt your yield a little bit. All herbicides are probably going to stunt your plant just slightly. It's not a big deal. But the alternative is, well, do you want weeds? Well, we know what weeds do to you. And so when there are untreated checks versus treated checks, it's staggering how much yield you're you're losing there. So you, you want to use a herbicide, but you want to use it in the safest fashion possible. So we personally like pre-plant incorporated herbicides or fall or very early spring applied herbicides that's our first preference and the reason why part of the reason why is number one you got a better chance for moisture to get better weed control so i like that but the other side of it is now it's much more diluted that herbicide's more diluted when that seed is germinating when that seed is starting to poke out of the ground when it actually comes out of the ground Sometimes when there's a very heavy concentration of herbicide at some point in that seed's life, in that plant's life, then yes, you can do a little bit more stunting and maybe even damage the plant a little bit. So you just have to be careful about what you're using, the rate you're using, the soil type, all that kind of thing. Just talk to your agronomist if you need help with that. And if you have a specific question, just ask us and we'll talk to you about that a little bit. But I love pre-emerge herbicides. I'm always going to use a pre in pretty much every crop we're going to use. It's just we're careful about exactly how we use them, which products we're using, the rates, and all that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, when it comes to improving seed emergence, there are certainly a few things you can do. But it all starts with making sure you have good seed. Because if you don't have good seed, I don't care what else we do. We can't make it just dramatically better. Although, I will say, we started doing our own seed research I don't know, 30 years ago and had our own, we've had our own seed lab ever since. And I was surprised at just putting a seed treatment on the seed that absolutely improved seed germination. And I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal, but it was. So I don't know how much for your seed, 5%, 10%, 15%. It's possible for all that. So we love seed treatments. We love the good, complete seed treatments. So in other words, fungicide, insecticide, and biologicals. Do those kind of things, and that absolutely should help. All right, let's jump back into the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, uh, got this one from Brent over in central Illinois. We've grown non-GMO beans for a few years now, and we've had a nice premium for them, but it's getting tough to control the water hemp and giant ragweed with our current program. We planted them in 20-inch rows and 15-inch rows. Didn't see a big difference in weed control between 20s and 15s. Um, here's what we're doing for our current herbicide program. Just curious what you think we could do to help. Do you want me to hand it to you or read it to you? Uh, read it because otherwise, okay. I mean, people aren't going to know. Okay. Uh, so behind the planter, laid on top, and hopefully rained in soon thereafter. <laughs> you see where I was going with this. We prefer it earlier, but the, go ahead. This, the, that's actually a direct quote here from Brent. Uh, behind the planter, laid on top, 
hopefully reined in soon thereafter. Yep, yep. So he's doing Prowl H2O at a pint and three quarters. Okay. He's doing Metribuzin at 10 ounces of dry. And he's doing Zidua Pro at six ounces. So Zidua Pro is a premix. It's got Sharpen, Pursuit, and Zidua in it. So he's got a Group 15. He's got uh, a PPO. He's got Metribuzin. He's got a Yellow. And he's got some Pursuit in there. So he's got quite a few different modes of action. So let's just start with that pre-program, Brian, and then you can address the post-emerge program. And I guess just, you know, when you think about Zidua Pro, you've got an ounce of Sharpen in there. That's a pretty low rate of a PPO. You could improve your yeah. program so, by instead of one ounce of Sharpen, you could use two and a half ounces of Valor, for example. Or you could use Authority in there and get a lot more residual than you'll get out of one ounce of Sharpen. Yeah. Well, okay. So what's in that Zidua Pro? Again, it's Sharpen, Pursuit, and Zidua. So I always like to break things down because if you don't, then it, it just it gets really complicated. And then I want to talk about how does each one of them do on the weed species we've got. So Prowl's decent on water hemp, but you've got a, a real low rate. It's almost a half rate. Metribuzin, you've got a pretty strong rate there. That's pretty good on water hemp and giant ragweed. Uh, Zidua is not too bad on both of those weeds. Pursuit. If it's ALS resistant, not going to help at all. And the Sharpen, not going to give you any re real residual. So in my opinion, yeah, I'm 100% with Darren. If it's me, I am taking, I'm getting rid of the Zidual Pro. I'm instead putting uh, either Valor or Authority out there. And we should probably be able to do a different program, even cheaper than what you're doing with better weed control. We'll talk about that coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Good morning and hallelujah! My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Ant herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. 
I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. At Commodity Classic, you'll connect with farmers from around the world as we explore new frontiers in agriculture. Join us in Houston February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. And so right before the break, and apologize about that, that we didn't get all through that question, because it's kind of a big one. It's from Brenton, Illinois. And again, what we were talking about is he's got problems with late season water hemp and occasionally a little bit of giant ragweed. So his program was Zidua Pro, Metribuse, and Prowl Pre. And then post-emerge, he was doing Prefects plus Anthemax, which is basically, they, they each contain two modes of action that are the same. Uh, Prefex is a combination of the active ingredients from Dual and Flexstar, Anthemax, the active ingredients from Cadet and Zidua. Uh, so anyway, each one has a Group 15 and a PPO. He's also using a volunteer corn herbicide post-emerge. But here, here's where I would go with this, Brent. My... my, my we, we talked about it before the break, but our biggest concern is this. All you have out there is a little bit of sharpen for your PPO. You need more. And if you're worried about late season water hemp, if it's me, I'm using a full rate of authority or Spartan. So that's what I'd get out there. And that will give you residual to late in the season. The prowl rate that you're using is 1.75 pints. The problem is you're putting it on right behind the planter, which you can't even do north of Interstate 80 in the United States. Um, and the reason why is because if you get a big rain on that prowl at the full rate, um, and we're, we're especially concerned about this in conventional tilled fields, it's possible that you could damage that stem enough that very late in the season, literally the plant could fall over. So if you're listening today and you just heard me say, oh, I'm worried about prowl hurting crops, don't misunderstand. Prowl's fine if you want to spray it early. If you want to till it in, whatever, it's just the laying it on the soil surface after you plant is where we get concerned, especially in the northern United States, and especially when we use the full rate. Well, with Brent's rate here, it's only 1.75 pints. That's very low. Prowl has great residual late in the season on water hemp. It's excellent, but not at 1.75 pints. It's not. So, I, I mean, you you do whatever you want to do, uh, uh, but if it's me and I'm gonna and I'm gonna put stuff out there, I'm going the full rate of prowl. I'm going out there with authority. I might even cut back my metribuzin rate, which by the way, metribuzin probably won't last you till late in the season, no matter how much you use. It doesn't it doesn't stay that long in the soil usually. You're putting a big rate of metribuzin out there, so I worry about that. If you have any high pH spots, you're putting basically almost two thirds of a pound out there. 
normally we only like to see about a third of a pound. So I change that up a little bit. The other thing is pre-emerge, I get that you're you're getting some zidua out there, a group 15. But boy, you're spraying a full, full, full rate of group 15 post-emerge. So and I wouldn't do there's that. There's some crop response involved in that. Yes. Plus you got two different post-emerge PPOs. There's going to be yes. crop response from that too. And I mean, I do expect you'll have to have some crop response out there, but not that much. Yeah. And so basically the, the big thing here is if I'm getting my full rate of, let's call it authority, and a full rate of prowl, then I've got a lot more late season residual on that water hemp. And the the authority will help you on the ragweed too. If, let's say, you use the exact same products that you're doing now in the exact same combination, the Prefix plus Anthemax, which is a load, um, I would consider spraying it just a little bit later. Because you say 21 days later, I don't know how big that crop is. But all I know is the later you spray, the longer that residual is going to hold late in the season. Now, here's the other thing that we aren't even talking about. It's the cultural practice. Because you said... Uh, let's see, what was it? 15 intros and 20 intros. Well, I, I mean, we're going to prefer 15 intros. You're going to have more crap canopy. But let's talk about how do we get the beans big? How do we get them to shade those rows so they can choke weeds out? So I'm looking at drainage and I'm looking at fertility. We want to do everything we can to push those beans. And also, I, I just want to make sure we're planting a good population. I don't want to be down at this 100, 120,000 that some people will talk about and cutting back. If we've got weed issues and late season weed issues, we can solve those if we have more plants that are bigger and we're going to choke those weeds out. So I'd make sure that I'm planting at least 140,000 plants per acre. I'm probably going to 15 intros and I'm going to look real hard at my fertility program and say, all right, what else can I possibly do to make this better? Do I have the right level of P and K and the micros and sulfur and all this stuff? That, that will help us tremendously. Last, I think it was last week on the show, we were talking a little about silage. Manganese is a key to height in the plant. And so for silage, that's a big deal. Well, we're not talking about usually about, oh, we want more height out of our soybeans. But if your soybeans are staying short enough that you're not canopying, even in a 15-inch row, then I'm looking at manganese. That could be one of the things. And the other thing I'm looking at is nitrogen. And I'm not saying you have to put 100 pounds of nitrogen on, but if you put some nitrogen on, that may help you. And especially if you're going for big-time yields, you know, the plant can produce some, but it can't produce all the nitrogen that it needs. So anyway, those are just my thoughts. If you got more specific questions, let us know. Hey, thanks for the for the question. We really appreciate that. Got this one from Zach up in North Central North Dakota. Brian, you're going to like this. Zach's, uh, Zach's a man of your heart here. He said, last fall, I picked up a field. I began building fertility based on our soil test results from Kinsey Lab. I broadcast 400 pounds of potash. 250 pounds, man, he sounds like you, Brian, 400 pounds of potash, 250 pounds of MAP, 25 pounds of copper sulfate, and 20 pounds of zinc sulfate, all in one shot. After that application, I ran a Salford vertical till unit across it. Our soil pH is 7.4, and our organic matter is 4%. Do you think I need more aggressive tillage to move that fertilizer down further in the spring, or will my higher pH soil move it down on its own? I plan to put canola out there this season. It won't move it down on its own. If all you did was a Salford, 
your phosphorus is only an inch deep and that's where it's going to stay until you physically move it deeper than that. Same thing with the copper, same thing with the zinc. Will the potash move down eventually? Sure. In the next three to seven years, I would expect it'll get down a little bit more in the soil, depending on when you get rain. But yeah, the sulfur is not, um, that's not very aggressive tillage. So do you have to till it way into the ground? You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. But if it's me, ideally, I'd like it stirred in that top six inches if I could. And so let's say you're trying to go reduce tillage. What I often will tell guys is, all right, if you if you want to do that, let's set ourselves up. Let's just in one time, and I appreciate that you put all this stuff out in one shot. Let's just do one pass. We're just going to do one time doing very aggressive tillage we get everything down where it needs to be then after that we're going to reduce till so you got options here on, on what you want to do but darren said you know darren is kind of making kind of making a big deal out of this and oh you put on 400 pounds of k and 250 pounds of map and don't get me wrong that's good but i want you to check out if you were to raise a big time crop over the next three years how much k and how much phosphorus will you pull out of the ground uh, it's probably that much or maybe even more. <laughs> so it's good. And hopefully that does fix your soil. And it's awesome. It's just don't be thinking that, well, I did all this. And so now I don't have to put anything else out there. No, <laughs> you got to keep maintaining. And hopefully your yield starts going up even more. The downside to that is you just have to keep putting a little more fertilizer on. But I will say like the copper and the zinc you're putting out there, uh, you got many years worth of copper and zinc now. But hopefully you got your stuff in balance and things will continue to improve for you. All right. Thanks for the question. I got this one in from David up in Montana. And he said, hey, guys, farming with my dad, farming with my brother here. I want to say we're big fans of the show and we've learned a lot from you guys. But I got a question that's probably easy for you. What tank mix and rates would you use to kill an irrigated Roundup Ready alfalfa field? that is to be farmed right up until fall. So we would usually spray in October uh, and then um, allow it to get some, re let's see, usually sprayed in October and allowed to get some regrowth after the third cutting. I don't know. Well, I, don't, I don't follow that. Yeah. We'd, we'd be planting corn the next spring. So he's going to kill it off in the fall. Oh. And then in the spring, maybe he said that backwards, he's going to take a third cutting and get a little regrowth and then spray it out in October. What would you spray on Roundup or would Roundup Ready How Alfalfa would you, to kill it in the fall? Yeah. What's the best way to kill Roundup Ready Alfalfa, 2,4-D, or Dicamba? If I'm going to corn in the spring and I'm spraying relatively late in the fall, I'm using Dicamba just to be on the safe side. 2,4-D is a little harder on corn. Hit it with a big rate, too. If you use a quart of Dicamba, which is now at pretty much an all-time low price, use a quart of Banvel or something, uh, it will wipe it out. And every other broadleaf weed to get you off got to get warm weather, though. Get warm weather for at least a yep. few days, we'd like not a week. Yeah, we'd like 70-degree highs, if at all possible. That'll really improve the dicamber performance. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.